Hello, you've joined us for our third episode of season two of In The Soup. I got the chance to talk to Terence Tsang, founder of Quality Quotient Solutions and former FMB director at the Four Seasons Hotel in Hong Kong, the only hotel to have two restaurants with three Michelin stars. We chat about how COVID-19 has affected the industry now that they've experiencing the third wave and Terence's tip to operators on how to keep staff and customers safe. Hong Kong's strict lockdown measures have meant that operators have really had to fight for their business and we learn what keeps them afloat. I hope you enjoyed the episode. excited to have uh, Terence Tang on the uh, podcast today. Um, Terence, you've had an incredible career spanning Michelin-starred restaurants, hotels, and, and a number of other uh, other elements of your career. I would love for you to start with just giving us a bit of an intro to you, to 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 your career, uh, and tell us tell uh, tell the listeners about it all. Sure. Thank you, Christian. Um, so I guess. For me, starting out in this business was uh, when I was a junior in high school. So it was a trip that our family took. We went to Venice. Um, cool. The innkeeper there was basically owner of the property. Uh, we had to depart at 3 or 3.30 in the morning and uh, to go catch a ferry, then, to, then a flight uh, out to Rome. Um, so... <clears throat> The innkeeper waited for us, and uh, he was literally sitting there waiting for us to come down to check out. He walked us to go catch a little ferry, um, and that really impressed me. That kind of basically stenciled a, a really strong hospitality mark in me. And from that point on, um, I really liked the business. Um, you know, what is there not to like, right? You get to drink, you get to travel, you get to eat. Um, there's really no job out there that's more comparable. Um, so the warmth of the people, uh, and like the nature of the job, people oriented, um, so striving to perfection, that's, those are all the co- probably the combinations of what I liked to it. Um, and I picked food and beverage deliberately because all my role models, when I was a junior, they were all, um, they were all F&B guys. So I was impressed with them. Awesome. And, and t- tell us a little bit about those role models. Who, 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 who were you looking up to back, back then? I think I met a couple, especially general managers in hotels. because my background is in hotels, uh, but with an F&B focus. On. So these general managers, they have the presence, they have the knowledge, um, they have the stature. So, you know, and I kind of wanted to be like that when I grew up. So, um, and there were many GMs, um, even through my years with the Four Seasons or uh, through the St. Regis, some of these guys were like giants to me and I wanted to be like them one day. Nice. And tell me, so you've, um, you're the, the, the managing partner of Quality Quotient Solutions. T- tell me a little bit about that. Sure. Um, it's my own company. So I founded this uh, maybe around eight, nine years ago. Uh, it's a hospitality consulting company. Uh, we're based in Hong Kong, we're focusing mainly in Southeast Asia, uh, but we do have a couple of clients in Europe uh, and in, in the U.S. Um, we serve a wide spectrum in the hospitality business, so it will range from strategy, advisory, uh, strategic directions for hotels, for F&B. Uh, we do some development work. Uh, my team mainly composed of senior well, actually members who have been in operations and they have taken senior roles. 
So um, I try to bring those expertise in and help with all the the tricky little nuances in certain in the business. Um, so we got, I guess we see ourselves as specialists to a certain extent. Um, perhaps people don't want to do, or or we would just come in and help out. Um, so is that specifically on the operational side predominantly? No, we, we do strategy. Uh, we do uh, development work. Uh, we do some training. We do uh, standard guidelines, for example. Um, a little bit of everything. And okay. um, obviously with an Asian focus, um, we try to redefine Asian hospitality um, a little bit. I'm trying to bring it to more of a trendier, modern day, uh, what it should look like. Um, and, you know, you've been out to Asia, you know, the hospitality out here, um, you, you have to strive to push that envelope a little bit more because competition is just so high. Um, mm. There's just so many people who do the job well. Um, so that's why we, we try to help out in that area. Nice. And, and so if you can cast your mind back to pre-pandemic days, uh, t- tell me what, what, was your, what would a usual day look like for you? before the pandemic hit? Oh, <laughs> um, that seems like so long ago. <laughs> it is. <laughs> um, so I guess a normal day would be probably some calls, a lot of traveling, um, uh, a lot of you know panic calls, a lot of uh, come over, let's meet up, let's have a coffee um, type of conversations. Um, but a, a lot of face-to-face, to be honest. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we talk about long-term discussion. We have long-term discussions and goals. We have developments on, on let's say, plans for, you know, the F&B segment or in, in the hotel as a whole. Uh, we have that type of conversation. Um, we try to bring in new strategies, um, you know. So, so a lot of more of that type of work. And, and, and that must... That must have uh, changed a tremendous amount. Now, now, now the in-person piece must uh, must be quite quite different or, or non-existent. Like, how? Tell me, how did the lockdown affect you specifically? And actually, maybe even before that, like, can you just tell us a little bit how the lockdown um, happened in Hong Kong? Like, were there different phases, or what time did it happen? Sure. Um, I, I think when it first started out, um, we. There's a, so a virus came through, and obviously in Hong Kong, we had SARS experience from before in 2003. So a lot of the restaurateurs and a lot of, let's say, hotels, they, were, they, had, they had that training. Mm-hmm. So certain precautionary measures were put up pretty early on in that sense. Um, perhaps temperature checks or even face masks or, uh, or, or just random checks on staff to make sure everyone's healthy. Um, so that part actually worked out quite okay. And, uh, and then, but it's such a prolonged time. People go store crazy a little bit mm-hmm. and you have people who are probably more, uh, after a while, you know, it's getting hot outside, so they don't want to wear a mask. And it seems like the, the, the virus has subsided a little bit. So I think everybody was thinking that it was okay. Um, Unfortunately, right now we're actually going through our third wave, as they as they call it. Um, so uh, there there's still a lot of these legislations that are out. The government has been pushing a lot of measurements in terms of you know, mask wearing, sanitation stations, uh, social distancing measurements, 
uh, table distancing measurements, um, limiting numbers of people on the table. Um, but now with the third wave, um, that just happened literally a week ago. Um, we, the government is stopping business from 6 p.m. to 5 a.m. in the morning. Um, oh, that's wow. part of the hard measure. So I think that definitely has a lot of effect in, for the business in general, especially F&B. Uh, uh, when turnover cash flow is a is key, right? Mm-hmm. So, so, so the, I, th- I think you know, government has been trying to help, but I think overall, it's a lot of these businesses are, are hurting a little bit. And and so, in phase one and phase two, in the first two two waves, was there any? Uh, what was the curtailment on on the on the F and B businesses in that in those phases? There were social distancing measures. I mean, bars at one point were closed, but mm-hmm. restaurants were open, um, and they implemented all the dis- social distancing measures to make sure you know the viruses doesn't spread. And I think that did help. Um, but you know, so and then they lifted that off. Um, and then, I mean, I'm not saying all the all this, the wave three cases coming are coming from the restaurants, but. Um, I think in general, um, people are probably a little bit more relaxed thinking that we're getting out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, the trends in perhaps in Japan or even a couple of cases in, in China, um, it was coming back a little bit for various reasons. So I think right now what we need to do really is to try to nip it in the bud and to kind of break that chain to make sure we can kind of start Again, because um, right now it's it is busy season, so to speak. It is the summertime uh, without tourists, without uh, w- without that industry. A lot of we cannot we cannot survive. And, mm-hmm. uh, the the main theme park here uh, had to close, and that was a place that was full of tourists and locals going with their children and spending a lot of time. Um, so it, it is a, it is a little bit daunting at the moment. So given there's no tourists uh, in Hong Kong or well, anywhere in the world actually at the moment, like what are you recommending to hotels? Like what you know, you I mean in the UK they're talking a little bit about staycations, so people basically traveling within the UK. Is that is that a similar approach that you're you're giving your clients? Yeah, there the hotels are doing a lot of staycations here, um, and especially the ones that are quote unquote resort hotels um, with a swimming pool. Uh, probably near a beach. Th- those are probably more popular at the moment. Um, since we have so many hotels in Hong Kong, um, the competition even in that is very high. Um, there's just only seven million people in Hong Kong, so um, you know having staycation is, is is quite. It could be challenging. Um, it's a limited pool. So it, it's a very good consumer market, I guess um, <laughs> if you put it that way. Um, and I think with the hot weather right now, especially we're right in the middle of summer. Um, having a swimming pool is actually a great thing, um, but I think a lot of the pools might be closed as well because of the of the virus, unfortunately. Of course. Um, but I think overall, for for all the listeners out there, it, you just have to exercise common sense. I think um, you know, basic hygiene. Uh, I, I know it might be a singing to like you know playing the same tune over and over, but you know washing hands, wearing masks. You know, <laughs> I think all those are very uh, sensible things to do and it's easy to do. Um, I have kids at home and I pretty much tell them and teach them how to do that on a daily basis. So sometimes they they do that better than I do. Um, and they remind me that I have to wash my hands every time. 
that's good. But but you know you you'd, you'd think you say you know uh, repeating it and it's a sensible thing to do. But you just look at the world today and the 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 arguments people are the political arguments people are having around mask wearing is is just crazy, right? Like I mean, in, in the UK at the moment, I think if it, I mean, I would say potentially, and I'm just you know from my personal experience of having seen, I think maybe ten to twenty percent of people at most are wearing it. I don't, like, and I, and I suspect in Hong Kong it's probably the opposite, right? Like more than eighty, ninety percent, possibly even higher than that, is are wearing it, right? Yeah, I, I have watched some videos, uh, watched some news from um, from the U.S. and from the U.K. about mask wearing. Um, I, I think a lot of it for us here is because of SARS. Um, yes. So right now, I think there are a lot of reports out there whether you know wearing you know the percentage of contracting the virus you know will be lower. You know, if you and I, let's say, we're in a room and we're both wearing a mask versus mm-hmm. I'm wearing a mask and you're. Um, you know, we have to take that with a grain of salt, I think. But at the same time, it's not just to protect me and you; uh, it's protect the family, um, yeah. at least for me. Yes. Um, you know, protecting the the elderly at home, um, if you have elders at home. So I, I think for that, it's worthwhile to be extra cautious, whether it's true or not. Um, so I so so in that sense. Um, we try to be extra cautious, right? So, yeah. you know, sanitize, sanitation on the, uh, wearing a mask. Um, obviously that's my opinion. I know there's a lot of different opinions out there, but, uh, that makes sense. Yes. Agreed. I, th- I, I think you're right that the, the like, it's not that hard to wear a mask, right? And it's okay. It's a little bit annoying, but if it's going to protect elderly people around you or people who have pre-existing conditions etc you'd think that's worth paying that price right but i think a, a big part of the argument in the uk around masks is is you know hospitality are saying hey you know if 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 we're wearing masks it's kind of it loses a little bit of that human touch right um how like i guess like in a hospitality context like having tables apart having to sanitize having waiters wearing masks and or visors it does take away a little bit of that kind of um human touch and for the right reason right i'm 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 not at all arguing here we should not be doing this but is there a way that you're seeing uh, fmb groups do it in a nice way to try to bring that touch back so 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 far what i've seen is because the, let's say the staff member, a uh, waiter or a server comes up to you wearing a mask, um, you don't know that person, mm-hmm. right? So, uh, is, is it you know is it protecting you? Is it protecting the person? I think that's quite important. Um, sure, I mean uh, with them wearing a mask, I think it probably does get a little bit to get used to. Um, but I think in terms of overall protection, uh, it's quite important to have it. I mean, I've actually seen some. People wearing the the plastic devices, kind of yeah. older looking yes. mask as well, on top of a face mask. So um, is that overdoing it? Um, that person probably has a family that they need to protect as well. So I, I think it's understandable. Is it aesthetically good looking? Um, I'm sure there's other ways you can kind of improve that, but I think overall, it's not you know for at least for now. Um, if you're eating out, uh, knowing that there's this problem out there. I I think it's it's understandable. Yeah, and and so you were saying that for some of your clients, you do um you do some some training. I suspect 
training as a whole has changed quite significantly. Um, c- could you tell us a little bit around that? Like, how how are you? How have you changed the the the, the procedures? Like, how you're you're delivering that training, etc. So I, I guess I've always been very hotel training minded. So uh, we, we have been taught a lot about you know proper hygiene and and safety measures for especially for our staff. Um, so I think overall in training, what we do do is implement those measures as well. So not only you're protecting your staff, you're also protecting the customers um, to make sure that they can repeat and come back. For example, if if you go to a restaurant and, and you know you know there were a co- there was a COVID case there, would you feel comfortable going back there? Would you not? So I think that is probably the good reasoning behind it. Um, so when we talk to people and talk to my customers in terms of how you train, what you train, um, that's the angle we usually go in. And I think it it's quite understandable because this this COVID situation at the moment. Um, for now, this is how you can protect at the same time, get the proper balance so that everybody can still go out at the same time. Everybody's protected. I like that. I, I like making it, making them think about it from the customer's point of view and be like, Hey, would you go to a place where there'd be someone that's been, I think that's a smart way of positioning it because straight away they think, well, no, I wouldn't. And therefore I'm going to be careful and try to protect that. Yeah. It's you're best- absolutely right. Because I mean, our business is a people's business. Um, you know, if you wear a mask, you know, would you be intimidated or would you be you thinking that the experience is not the same? Oh, sure. Um, but at the same time, there's a big, much bigger topic behind that um, for you to kind of understand the fact that you're out having a drink, probably sitting on, you know, sitting on the table, having some food um, that I think that alone is is already good. right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. In the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> Yeah. And and do you have a sense of how much like business has fallen for hotels in, in Hong Kong? Like, is there like, uh, are we talking like 20%, 50%, 70%? Do you, do you know what the, what the range is? The exact numbers, I don't know, but it is a big dip. It's a huge yeah. drop. Um, because part of the measurements, and I didn't mention this earlier, uh, the government, they wanted seating to be down to 50%. Forty uh, percent um, with the with the social distancing measures. So I think that alone for main for most restaurants that cut out fifty percent of your business. That's <laughs> that's pretty much everything. Yeah. Um, with any type of bottom line that you can have, that could pretty much get wiped out. I think. So yeah. So yeah. Some I know some restaurants. Unfortunately, I have, do have friends who had to close some of their establishments because of COVID um, because of these. Uh, crazy times um, and I also have some friends who are putting out different discount measures just to bring in some customers um, to have to sustain um, so the actual number I don't know but I did hear a number today about unemployment in, in the F&B industry and that is that is quite high um, I believe it's around 14% 15% wow. um, which is quite a bit which yeah, is quite and and we're, we're still quite early on, right? In in this, really, when you think about it, this is not like uh, fully played out. Actually, interestingly, uh, so the the UK government here has has done put a lot of measures in place, and and one in particular, you know, the furlough scheme, whereby they pay the salary of employees that 
can't work because the business is not operating. Um, and that comes to an end in October, but it's starting, they're starting to share the cost between the business and the government. Until now, it's all borne by the government. And with what we're starting to see is a, is a huge uptick in unemployment here. So, and obviously the government can't be supporting forever. So, you know, we're going to go through that transition, but I'd love to hear how the government in Hong Kong has, like, have they supported, like, what kind of measures have they done to, to support the industry and the individuals working in the industry? I think they have. And then do think that they recognize that the F&B industry and hospitality industry is probably one of the hardest hit um, among them all. Uh, I know retail is hard hit as well. Um, but they have been putting out measures for companies to subsidize um, at least at a minimal amount um, mm-hmm. to make sure uh, employers don't uh, fire their staff. At the same time, they're able to pay at least a certain amount to keep them going. Um, so I guess the the government's goal is to make sure establishments keep on going. Uh, but, you know, as you know, some of these establishments might not make it even with that support, even with that subsidy. So uh, unfortunately, a lot of these major chains or some restaurants that I've seen, even, even little shops, mom and pop shops who have been around for years or 60 years, 70 years, they had to close wow. because of that type of reason. No customers, uh, rent, for example, um, that's really affecting them. And and actually, you bring up rent. Is there anything the government or has there been any agreement between landlords and, and tenants? To, not, not at all. That must be super hard. Well, I wouldn't say there's none. I mean, there's a lot of reasonable um, renters out there. And I, I know that even some of my clients have been speaking to their landlords and have been getting some measures. Um, so they're, they're trying to help out. Um, but, and, you know, whether it's enough or not, that's a different story, I think. Yeah. And do you feel like generally there's a little bit of an approach where we're all in this together, we need to help each other out? Um, like, or, or, or do you feel like everyone's kind of uh, more business as usual? No, you know, this is due, the agreement says this. Like, or is this kind of like a mix with, as, with everything? You know, I think the business has always been, you do you, you support each other a lot in the business. Um, so you, uh, whether it's from a mom and pop shop to a chain, there's people that, have gone through the ranks um, and been moving around to different restaurants or hotels that do help each other out. So uh, it's a business that you know you try to help as much as you can, but unfortunately, sometimes you don't. Um, there's only limited resources that you can provide. Yeah, of course, of course. I, d- I do think that uh, uh, with an event like this, that's so like unlike anything we've we've seen like i mean i've heard it called unprecedented so many times now that i stopped counting how many times i've I've heard it called that but it it is a bit like we all have to like help each other out right it's like it is like uh, trying and 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 i think it's sharing the pain in a way right it's just saying hey you know i'll you know i'll waive three months of rent to help you get up because i think especially for landlord's point of view i don't if they lose their tenant i don't think a, a new tenant is going to come along very quickly right so they might be facing several months if not years of like of um of of their properties being empty um and ultimately i do think
think that there is an element of that balance between tenants and landlords, which I know in the UK at least has been very much in the favour of, of landlords and not so much in terms of tenants. I think that's probably going to shift quite a lot because there's going to be a lot of supply of good properties because, as you say, I suspect a lot of them won't make it through. Businesses that have been around for 60, 70 years. Um, and, and so I hope landlords are... Uh, conscious of that and help tenants get through it because otherwise I think this will last longer. Um, even in the most popular areas in Hong Kong, um, you see some of the prime shops, um, maybe ground floor shops that are closing because of the, the situation. And um, so I think landlords, like you said, landlords and, and the tenants, they, they do have to kind of work it out because at the end of the day, who loses, um, they, they have to figure that out. So that's quite important. Yeah, totally. And and just to come back to, to the consulting business for a second here, what what, what made you take that jump uh, from being in, in F&B and hotels to actually think, hey, like, I want to I want to do the this as a as a as a consultant now? What, what made you do that? Well, I, well, so I started out in operations. Um, for many years, I worked in the, I worked in the U.S. I worked in, and then I came back to Hong Kong um, to open a hotel. And uh, I, I think all along, always wanted to go into the business side, or actually into the development side, business side. Um, I was fortunate enough to work for a company in the corporate office and doing some development work. Uh, so that kind of gave me a lot of ideas in terms of. Uh, what, how much, how much bigger the world is instead of just being in one single property, and um, so I, I, I wanted to to learn more. So I've always had this hunger and urge to to continuously learn. Um, so, so after that job, I decided that I think I wanted to start a business because I have all the operation background, have the corporate background, have the business, and I actually. Uh, went to business school at the same time. So uh, with all that combined, I said, you know, let's, let's try this out. Let's see how we can make this work out uh, to start a business. And I just, and I took it um, right after that. And I actually spoke with my wife, remember this conversation with my wife and she said, <clears throat> go ahead, do it. Go for it. <laughs> yeah. And I think that was, that was pretty much it. And I haven't really looked back since. And, uh, um, yeah, and it's actually, it's actually been great. So I've been meeting all sorts of different people. Um, yeah, as you know, the, the restaurant business, the hotel business, where, where there are a lot of interesting folks in it. And uh, I've been helping them solve different types of problems, which have been really, really cool for me. That's, that's awesome. And, and um, given it's on that strategic uh, you're looking at this in terms of helping them strategically. How do you look now at the at the FMB, the hotel uh, industry? You know, if you're looking now and then in beyond, like you know, if if you if we're projecting, you know, what hope you know, once we have a vaccine, hopefully we get a vaccine and things go back to a normal. Like, what is your advice to them at the moment? So, in, ter- in terms of what do you think the restaurants are going to look like? Or- yeah. Exactly. And, and what does the industry look like after this? You know, like I know we've seen a lot of, for example, restaurants doing a lot of delivery um, and potentially I think an element of that will stay afterwards. Um, I'd love just to get your view on like what you think the industry looks like post all this. I don't think there's really going to be a post in the sense that the the virus, the pandemic will probably still be with us. Mm-hmm. Um 
not to be morbid about it or anything. But I, I agree. So I think uh, we were going to have to live with it extent, uh, whether with a vaccine or not. Uh, but I do believe, you know, from all these years, we're very resilient and there are very, there are a lot of creative people in the business. So, and they adapt very quickly and uh, they <clears throat> adapt and adopt very quickly. So we, I think the way I see it is <clears throat> maybe specialty concepts um, as you move forward, there will be uh, special menus um, that will be popping up, specialty chefs um, that will come up. I think those those will be those will become th- that that will be a big part of it. Um, the ultra experiences, so with people traveling, maybe going out less um, instead of spending the same you know five meals a week, they probably just go for one meal, two meals a week, but they'll probably spend a little bit more, um, so they're able to afford the maybe the ultra lux type of meals, um, a little bit more extravagant um, type of meals, and. Um, so, but I think that overall, we're, we're pushing, we're consolidating a little bit in terms of the people, in terms of the quality of the product. So uh, things will get finer, I think, uh, but not necessarily like fine dining finer, but you know, more unique um, to draw the, to create experiences to draw customers. Um, there will be a hybrid of cooking experiences. So... Uh, not only will, let's say, takeout or bringing things into home, you know, there might be something completely new for takeout as an experience. Mm. And I think that will happen. Um, but if you go and eat in a restaurant, the experiences have to be so unique and so amazing that you want to go back right away. So I, I think that's going to be the crux of in terms of how the future dining will be with virus still there. Mm. Um, I think technology will play a big part, um, whether from casual dining, more be probably more, uh, they, you know, they, they will, the casual side, they'll probably have more technology involved in it. Um, even in China, for example, you, you can order uh, on your phone, you can order on an iPad, you can order on the table uh, without seeing a customer, without seeing a server. Um, so that type of technology will be probably more common in the, the fast casual segment um and i think you know it's just creativity so the, the business overall is, is quite creative so i think people will bring in a lot of unique opportunities unique experiences into the picture in the, in the future um so you know if you ask me what i think you know how i want to how what i would like to see um i, I think it's it, it, it's going to be very interesting um, it's going to be every time you go out to dine, it's going to be a quote unquote worthwhile experience. Um, when I, when I lived in New York city, that was kind of how it was maybe in London too. Um, every time you go for a meal, you try not to have a bad meal every time you go out. So I, think, I guess maybe it's going down that road, not saying that it's going to be any bad meals now, but if you go out, you're going to pick something that's so good that you want to go back pretty quickly. 
Yeah, I totally agree. I think you're, you're right that people, I think there's also this kind of habit that's been formed over the past three or four months where people have been cooking at home or have been, you know, eating as a family more and have been going out less. And therefore, these these habits uh, have changed and, and going back, uh, especially if there's still this kind of fear around like the virus being around, they're going to be like, OK, I'll go out, but it's got to be special. It's got to be. I, I, I totally agree with that. And, I think, and I've been cooking at home a lot, so I know how bad I am as a cook, so I definitely need to go out and eat more. <laughs> <laughs> I know there's probably there, there is there there is a number there are a number of people go I've had enough you know I just want to go back out this is it you know it was uh, yeah but but it's it's fundamental right it is a real um, uh, like it's an incredible shift right that that this is going to have and and I agree with with your point about saying that this is not something that's going to be um, uh, you know a few months I mean this is going to be like uh, well into next year. Uh, you know, in terms of uh, like, you know, having to lock down, reopen, re-lock down. And then even after that was, uh, and, and I think the sooner people learn how to live with it, the, the quicker we'll, we'll, we'll get out of this, really. Um, and actually, there's a few businesses in the UK that I've been impressed with. With They barely lock, they barely shut down at all. They continued for deliveries. And I think they learned a tremendous amount early on and got a competitive advantage of how do I operate in this new world? How do I make it safe? How do I communicate to my customers? As opposed to some that have completely shut down for two, three months and then reopen and have to learn all that, right? So so it's, yeah, it's a, it's a huge shift and it's very hard to navigate, I think. Just wanted to like hear from you about like, if someone, a young person was looking to get into the industry, what, you know, what would you be, what would you advise to them be? Um, I, so I, for me, I'm, I'm a little bit biased because the business has always been very good to me since the very beginning. So I have been very fortunate. Um, so I think for young people who want to get in, there's, there's a couple of things that they need to make sure that they want to do this. Um, it's, it's a very, the business is, it's amazing. You learn a lot. Like I, like I mentioned, that's what happened to myself. It, it is a people's business. So if you're, if you're a people's person, this will be something that's directly beneficial to you. Um, so, cause when I picked, when I picked to go into the hospitality industry, I deliberately did not want to pick something that it was a desk job and I don't want to offend anybody, but that's just how I didn't want to do it. And uh, I wanted a people's job. Um, I wanted to continue to learn and this, and, and being in the hospitality business, it, it, a lot of it is personality, as you know. Um, we, I met some of the most interesting people from chefs, from servers, from, from doormen that have been in the same hotel for 50 years. Those are the people that I remember um, that have the best personalities um, and they make a property. Uh, they make a restaurant. So, um, like in restaurants, even in you know in New York City, for example, uh, some of these Italian restaurants they they have the maitre d that's been there for many 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 years, and people go just to see him, and mm-hmm. and they come over and they you know they they say hello to you and they remember your name and your experience suddenly changes from zero to one hundred. Mm-hmm. Um, there's always something new in the business. Um, it's always, it's high risk, high reward to a certain extent. Um, 
so I, I think those are those are those are great values as long as you you want to get into it. So um, yeah, the the way I always tell and you know what I you know to pe- for people that always ask, like that asked me this question before, I said uh, if you want to be in this business, uh, read as much as you can, taste as much as you can, try as much as you can, and then you decide. And I know the people that have done this and keep on going with it have, are still in the business. Mm-hmm. And these, yeah, and some of these guys are some of my best friends. So. Totally. No, I, t- I totally agree on the, on, it's, it's the relationships, right? The, the relationships that you build, uh, given it's, it's such a human industry, that, that that's what really uh, stands out there. T- t- totally agree. No, I think that's the tricky part now because of COVID, because it's, it's hard to bring that human element the face-to-face element to it. Um, so I think that's how it, it's, a, it's a little bit disconnected in that sense. Mm-hmm. But I think once we find a way, once we find a way to kind of connect that back, um, the business will keep on striving. Totally. And I think you, you, the, to your point around innovation, I think it is one of these, you know, the industry made it through the last pandemic, right? Like it's going to make it through this pandemic because people are going to innovate, bring in technology, you know, change processes, like th- things will evolve and, and, and it will come back stronger. I, I totally agree. And, but it is, there is going to be this period that is going to be really hard for everyone for, for, for a number of months while they, while they adjust to this new reality. Really? Sure. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah. Um, I, I'd I'd love to 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 finish off with a few quick fire questions for you. Uh, so I've got, I've just got three. Uh, first thing that comes to mind uh, would would love to hear. So favorite cuisine. Favorite cuisine. The <laughs> <laughs> questions in the whole in the whole conversation we've had today. Favorite cuisine. Probably Cantonese. Okay, good. What, why, why a specific dish that you're excited about in, or, or like just the whole cuisine? I think it reminds me of like how my grandmother used to cook food. Um, I think that's, there's always an element of that in pretty much all the Cantonese food that I have here. Um, so it always brings it home for me. So That's nice. Yeah, totally. Uh, so if you could only choose one of, of these three, which one would you go for? So starter, main, or dessert? Starter. Starter? But, okay. men, but a, a, quite a few of them. <laughs> Just line them up. <laughs> and then finally, uh, last meal on earth, what would that be? Wow. Yeah, that's a hard one. Huh? Probably, probably a 12-course Cantonese meal. <laughs> that's good stretch out as long as you can <laughs> stretch it out um, start, you know go with go with some appetizers some soups some cold dishes some seafood dishes some meat dishes and maybe end up with uh, a couple of desserts wow <laughs> that sounds like a feast <laughs> Well, listen, Terence, I really, really appreciate you uh, taking the time today uh, to chat through really, really interesting uh, career. You've had some great advice there. I think, uh, uh, as you said, we're going through some uncertain times, but the, the, the industry will will, uh, will figure out a way to innovate and, and, and come back stronger. So I, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today. Thank you very much, Christian. Appreciate it.
you so much for listening. If you want even more insights and tips, you can head over to Tenzo's blog linked in the description or follow at Tenzo Inc. on Twitter and LinkedIn and Tenzo PPL on Instagram. Hope you have a great day.